Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Good morning again, MCC. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning and to be standing in the stead of our lead pastor, our under-separate pastor, Phil, as he travels, just thankful for him allowing me to stand in this space. So uh, whether you're in the building or whether you're online, welcome. And uh, if you're in the building, congratulations, you made it safely. Uh, You weathered through the residual snow and ice that might be there, but definitely the cold. And I'm glad to see your faces. And listen, um, we're going to jump right in and, and, and we're going to share a lot with you guys today. And I really want you to really dial in. So Alex said it one time for announcements, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't have your pen and pad, you want to pull your phone back out and go to the notes. And uh, we will be doing random note checks on the students to make sure they actually took notes. But uh, I, really, I really want you to record some things because uh, I probably had a 20-minute conversation with about eight people after service, just about some of the things we went through. And it was all really good, uh, but I really want you to take notes and really pay attention. And I promise I'll be done as soon as I'm finished. 9.30 was kind of really loud on that one, but okay. So but we're, we're, we're excited. I'm excited to be here. So we're going to jump right in. Remember at home, uh, and you should have received your elements when you walked in as we prepare uh, to administer the Eucharist and the, the communion a little bit later uh, in today's service. So um, let's go. Last week, uh, Shauna taught us about deep desire. She walked us through how we must desire Matthias um, to know God more. She walked us through how we must study God's word in order to be ready to fight the enemy, Ryan. How we must continue to grow in our relationship with Christ. How pleasures and possessions standing alone aren't necessarily bad, but how they can never be enough. Mm -hmm. See, with all the world has to offer us, only God can truly satisfy our deepest desires. Okay, we learned that uh, we should desire what will last and not what will perish. Let Jesus satisfy you. That's what that's what we learned last week. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So today, family, I'm happy to continue further into our deeper series, and we're going to talk today about deep truth. Mm hmm. Deep truth. A disclaimer, if, if I say anything today that, that, that you aren't able to say amen to, it's okay to say ouch. Uh, if you're ashamed to say ouch, just smile and look straight ahead and nobody will have any idea that I said anything about you. Uh-huh. Yeah, so probably some ouches went right there. I didn't get a lot of smiles, but it's okay. See, Jesus came to rescue and to redeem creation. And our understanding of Jesus is critical for our relationship with God. If there's no relationship, how does he know you want to be rescued? How does he know you desire, Jessica, to be redeemed if there's no relationship? We're going to cover several things uh, as we look at this portion of John's letter today. One of the deep truths we'll look at is there are warnings against denying the son. 
See, as the curtain rises on the scene of this passage of scripture, and, and, and let me clarify why I say curtain and why I say scene. I'm saying this curtain and this scene for you theatrical people so that it draws you in, so that you understand we're about to explore what's actually happening in the scripture as it relates to why John wrote what he wrote, as it relates to what was going on when he wrote it, and our position as believers as how we apply it to our lives. So there was a crisis in the church at the time. Yeah, there was a crisis, Joe. There was a crisis in the church, and there were people who were actually leading others away from Jesus, that he, the things he taught about himself. himself. If, you, if you think about scripture, we read the Bible a lot. We know a lot, Kelly, about Jesus, right? But the majority of the stuff we know is the stuff he told us in scripture. Think about that. The things, the weight of what we know a lot about Jesus are the things he actually taught during his life in the earth and we read about it. See, there were teachers who were denying that Jesus was God in the flesh as he taught. Crazy, right, Carrie? That's crazy. They were denying that he was God in the flesh. They were uh, uh, sharing this brand of teaching that at times actually argued whether Jesus was just a person. He was just a dude, Steve. He was just this guy. He was Joseph's boy. He was just a guy. That's what they were teaching, and, and, and they believed that, and many believed that he was a person who became inhabited with the Spirit of God at his baptism, but then turns around and the Spirit of God leaves him just before the crucifixion. I'm like, really, people? They were just really throwing out some really strange things in their teachings back then. That's what John was seeing and observing. That's why he wrote what he wrote, but they believed that for God to come down and connect himself to this material world that we live in, to connect himself to human beings and the sufferings of human beings would somehow diminish his divine nature. That's what they believed. They believed that him coming down to earth as a human was beneath him. Perhaps you have heard this argument from someone today. I know I have. But look at John's reply and his warning to these false teachings. He said, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. He didn't say like the Antichrist. He didn't say was related to the Antichrist. He says such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. He goes on to say, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. False prophets, bad teachers. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Put a pen in that because as relevant as it was in the Bible days about uh, the Antichrist coming and being in the world, as John put it, we can see traces now. You want to see traces of the Antichrist? Just go do a study on the seven mountains of influence. Do an in-depth study of Hebrew 11 where it talks about that the spirit of the Antichrist won't even desire the company of a woman. And then you look into the world and you see where you see threads of the Antichrist even now present in the earth. That's not in my notes. That was for free. 
But John's reply to these false teachings is very clear, is very definitive, and it's very much so filled with conviction. Parker, see, to abandon Jesus's claim of divinity is to say that we disregard any possibility of a life like God told us we could have through Jesus. Valerie, the incarnation of Jesus is the deep truth that John is telling us that we should not only hold to, but it should be the, the, the center of our life and the core of our faith. Look at it from this perspective. I live in Mason. My family and I, we live in Mason. And many in this room, you live in Cincinnati or, or Loveland or Madeira or, or, or Nor, Norwood, uh, Blue Ash. I'm, I don't remember them all, so I just kind of share a few, right? But wherever you live, you have neighbors, Right, Shay? We've got neighbors. The sad thing today, though, is many of us don't know all of our neighbors, even the people right next door. So what are you talking about, Pastor DJ? You know, I like good questions. I'm glad you asked. Wherever your neighbors may be, whether they are at your job, whether they are in the salon where you get your hair done, whether they are in the bowling alley, although, Aaron, I haven't seen many bowling alleys around here. Wherever your neighbors are, they may believe differently than you believe. Mm -hmm. Those same neighbors may have a different view about God and about salvation or religion altogether. They may be Muslim or Hindu or agnostic or atheist or even Catholics. No judgment, but they may just have a different view than you do. But it's incumbent upon us as believers that no matter what the other views are, we must continue to hold to the view that we know, Miriam, no matter what the world or how many views the world may have. And most of us have come to realize that what we claim to believe, what we, what we profess to believe, Danessa, has an impact or an implication with those people that we fellowship with. Someone said, why would you hang out with someone who does not believe what you believe? Well, the Great Commission doesn't tell me to go out and hang out with Christians. I thought I would have got at least two amens right there. That's not what the Great Commission says, and it doesn't say invite them to church. It says, go ye and teach. Okay. Remember what I said, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Or just smile, and nobody will know the difference. Let's entertain a few questions today, amen. Is there really only one way, one path that leads to God? And you say, Yes, yeah, right, that's it, that's it, you say yes. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right, Roddy? That's what he said. No man gets to my dad unless you talk to me first. Jesus is our spiritual bouncer in the heaven. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Anyway, is, is believing in God enough? Not quite. Because if you believe, it requires an action. It requires a supporting position and posture that you take in your life. Does what, does what we believe about Jesus make that much of a difference? Absolutely. Because he was not a prophet. He was the son of the living God. Uh-huh. That's, that's who he was. And moreover, we must follow John's leads. Let me tell you what I mean. See, the more we discover about Jesus, the more we can show that he offers hope for humanity and this world. Anybody can attest that we might need a little more hope in the earth today. We need a little more hope in the world, right? So often people seek for God to reveal himself to them. Mm -hmm. But it's not always that simple. 
He'll do it, but he's not always that simple. Greg, uh, Jeffrey, come here really quickly. Come on, really quickly. And, and uh, Tony, come here really quickly. Okay? We got to stay in the camera frame because this wasn't planned. Okay? So I need you guys to come stand like right here. I'm going to make a mountain. Oh, just, just stay with me. You're going to mountain of a man. You get it? Okay, turn around. Turn around. Turn around that way and you turn this way. Okay? Now, now just stand there. Just stand there. Okay? So just like that. Just like that. Hold on. Okay? So it's not always that simple for God to reveal himself to people, right? Moses asked. Lydia, Moses asked God on, the, on Mount Sinai. He said, he, said, he said, God, show me your face. God answered quickly and said, no. Because flesh can't be in my presence, in my glory, and live. Okay? But he said, this is what I will do. Come here, Christian, real quick. Run. Don't trip over Scooter. Run. Okay? All right? He said, he said Moses, this is, he said, this is what I'll do. He, said, he says, I can't let you see me, but here's what I'll do. I'm going to hide you in a cliff of the mountain. This is what God did. And, and imagine, imagine, yeah, it's a cliff, you know, imagine, imagine God just taking his hand and, and, and holding, holding Moses in place. But he says, what I'll do is I'll allow you to see my glory after I've passed you. Right. So as he passed, then Moses started to turn. and He could see his glory. Many would argue, theologians would argue that the difference between Moses when he went up and came down was extraordinary. Many people will look at Moses and say, now he went up one way, but he came down. He was a little more gray, Ali. He looked like he had seen something. He had. He had seen the glory of God. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Give it up for them. Right? So, so, so what am I saying? I'm saying that God wants you to see him, but he's got to show you him in a way that will benefit you but not kill you. Because we were all born in sin and shaped in iniquity, and our sin cannot live in the presence of the almighty God. Uh-huh. My point is God will always reveal himself to you, but it might not look like what you think, Steve. Then you have people who wish uh, that God would speak to them, right? That he would give them a sign, right? So, so he's done that before too. And my, my favorite explanation of this is the story and the, the exchange between he and Gideon. Yeah, because I've had my Gideon moments. I'll, I'll, I'll admit to that. But you know the story. Gideon had been set up to be the savior of Israel, right? And although he'd been talking to God, don't miss that. He'd been talking to God, and I'm going to show you in the scripture where God was talking back audibly. I'm going to show you. I'm just, just, just stay tuned. Okay? So, so although Gideon had been talking to God, he still had questions. He still needed to understand. He still was unsure about some things, patience. So, so Gideon still needed a sign. He actually needed two signs, Right? So this is what happened. He's, Gideon said to God, if this is right, if you are using me to save Israel as you've said, Gideon could only say what God said if he had heard God say it. Hmm. He says, if this is right, you are, if you are using me to save Israel as you've said, then look, I'm placing a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If dew is on the fleece only, but the floor is dry, then I know that you will use me to save Israel as you've said. There it is again. Sometimes God will show you clearly what you're supposed to do, and you'll still question if it's what you're supposed to do. That's what happened. Verse 38. When he got up early the next morning, he wrung out the fleece, enough dew to fill a bowl of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be impatient with me. See, he, he wasn't satisfied, Sarah. 
God had showed, he had told him, then he showed him, but he still was uncertain. Gideon tells God, he says, don't be patient with me, but let me say one more thing. You know, he was buttering him up. You know how your parents tell you no, then you go back, you ask them again, or they give you what you need, but then you want a little more. He's saying, don't be patient with me. That's what he said, Mike. He said, but let me say one more thing. I want to try another time with the fleece, but this time, let the fleece stay dry while the dew drenches the, gr the ground. Drenches. God made it happen that very night. Only the fleece was dry while the ground was wet with dew. Now, my grandparents were 70 years old when I was born. My grandmother from Allentown, Pennsylvania. My grandfather from Olympia, Tennessee. So I grew up, yes ma'am, no ma'am, but I grew up with chores. I grew up with a dryer, a clothes dryer in the house, but we couldn't use it. We hung every, in, the, in the summertime, we couldn't use it. <laughs> but we, grandma would hang everything out on the clothesline. And, you know, people from the South, they could tell you, they say, it looks like rain, it smells like rain. Oh, it's going to be fine tonight. We didn't watch the Weather Channel. I didn't know what the Weather Channel was until I got to college. Okay, we didn't watch the Weather Channel. Okay, but... What my point is, grandma would put the clothes on the line and some nights she would leave them out there because it didn't look like rain. But every now and then a clothespin would wiggle free and we'd go out in the morning and find a piece of clothing on the ground. I've never seen a piece of clothing be dew free. <laughs> if I go out the next morning, it's due on the ground and on the clothing, which means that God was absolutely moving in his infinite power to say, I'm going to show you that this is me. I'm going to prove to you that it's me. And he did exactly what Gideon asked for. Understand that God will always answer your prayer. And sometimes it'll look just like you asked. And sometimes it won't, but it will always be what you asked. Yeah. Know this, God always gives signs, but are we always looking for the signs? Hmm? Do we sometimes miss Valerie the sign that's right in front of our eyes? We say, God, give me this, and then he does it, and you go, oh, I thought it would look like this. Mm -hmm. If we're looking and paying attention, we can see God's life. We can see the, 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 the attributes of God through Jesus' life through the Gospels. You read the Gospels, you can see it. You can see Jesus very clearly. Jesus told his disciples, when you see me, you've seen my daddy. Well, I speak to you what my father told me to tell you. Okay? That, that through him, we can have this amazing, we have this amazing opportunity to see what God is really like. In Christ, we see a God who is full of love and compassion, who is, who is, who is ready to forgive us, who, who was humble enough to come down from his throne to die for us, to let us know who he is, to, 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 to see in the person of Jesus, God speak directly to us. We just showed, I just showed you, he spoke directly to Gideon. He acts visibly and he shows us publicly how much he loves and cares for us. N.T. Wright puts it perfectly. He says this, he says, Jesus provides an exegesis of God. Dare to shape your vision of God around the person of Jesus. So when you see Jesus, start imagining God with Jesus as your blueprint. Through Jesus, God shows us who he is. 
Another deep truth is through Jesus, God invites us to be with him. Yeah, oftentimes people struggle with their ability to relate to God. The world climate today has brought God's justice to the forefront of continuous discussion, it seems. But my hope for you, every believer, every non-believer, every person that's just not quite sure, my hope is that those discussions have reminded us all of how important that attribute, justice, of God's character really is to us. I mean, uh, children and women are being trafficked. Homeless people are being preyed upon. Underserved people are being taken advantage of. And people of color and minorities are being denied access to services. We could go on and on. But listen, all of these cry. They cry for God's justice. And on the cross, God's justice met something that only he could provide, and that was his divine love. On that cross, the door of, of invitation alley swung open to everyone who would believe. See, when, Jesus sent, when God sent his son Jesus, he didn't send him. It wasn't a guarantee everybody would believe. If you read John 3.16, don't worry, it's not in the script. They're following my slides upstairs, so I just, I just threw them a curveball. When you read John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed. He didn't identify who would. He said whoever believed. So there was no guarantee, but God gave him because he knew some would. Okay, back to my text. But on that cross, invitation swung open. A bridge between God and man was created. It was built at that moment in the spirit by the man, Jesus, by the God, Jesus. You know, he was both divine and human at the same time. See, on his mama's side, he was all man. But on his daddy's side, he was all divine. Right. Can you imagine the conflict in his mind, in his spirit as he was going through all of these things? We see it play out in the garden before his arrest. Right. He's praying. The Bible says he prayed and he he he, he, he sweat so that it was as if he dripped blood. And on his, on, his, on his mama's side, he said, Daddy, I, I don't want to do this. If this cup can pass from me, let it be. But on his dad's side, on the divine side, he knew he came to live to die. He knew the beating he would take. He knew the mocking he would take. He knew the spitting he would endure. He knew the pain he would endure for me, for you, for you. Mm-hmm. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. See, God providing Jesus to us makes us able to be with him. Mm -hmm. And that's love. In fact, our memory verse is verse 10. For this week, and I want you to read that with me. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Whew. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that He loved me in spite of me. Hmm. That He loved me knowing what I would be, what I would do, where I would come from, but he loved me knowing what I would be for him. Hmm. I'll be happy by myself. That's okay. But through Jesus, God invites us to be with him. And the last deep truth we have time to explore today is this. Through Jesus, God makes the world right again. Yeah. 
See, there are estimates that there are roughly over 4,200 religions in the world. Of course, there's only one empty tomb. <laughs> there's only one empty tomb that's empty not due to grave robbers. There's only one empty tomb where the person that was laid in that tomb, Ryan, rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he got up and he said, hey, uh, death, where is your sting? <laughs> he said, sting, where is your grave? And he said, grave, where is your victory? I know it's not Easter, but it's always a right time to talk about how good God has been to us, how Jesus rose from the dead with all power in his hand and nothing on heaven and earth and hell can triumph it. And across those 4,200 religions, there are, there are basically these three main concepts, these three main views. And I'm going to share these three views with you. I promise I'm almost finished and I'll be done as soon as I'm done. The first view, the material world is an illusion. Uh-huh. The people that hold to this view says that the goals of religious life and enlightenment or salvation has little or nothing to do with the material world itself, but rather the, goals, uh, the goal is to disregard the physical realm altogether. It's like just ignore it because it doesn't even matter. People that subscribe to this view, they feel that the consequences of our physical activities don't matter. I mean, you can do what you want to do and it doesn't matter. Well, it does, but perhaps you may know some people with this view. I do. The second view is that the material world is bad. People with this view hold that the goal of religious life is to withdraw completely from the physical world because there is no hope found in the world. People with this view say that the physical world is about to be destroyed. It's on its way to destruction, and if you connect with the physical world, you'll be tainted by evil. Don't know if you know people like that, but I know a few. The third and final view is that the material world is good. This is how John would view Jesus. This is how I view Jesus. This is, this is the view that says that the world was created to put God's glory on display. <laughs> You're God's glory. The elements are God's glory. Uh-huh. Yeah. It says that with salvation comes a deep appreciation, a deep affirmation and a deep engagement with the world as God created it to be. But despite how much beauty, despite how much goodness, despite the truth that the world contains, we all must recognize that there are a few things that are a little out of whack with within creation. Accidents happen. Sickness threatens people's lives. Pandemics arise. Racism and bigotry create division and a breeding ground for hatred. Hmm. Violence and oppression cause people to be displaced and even natural disasters uh, go, make people go uh, at lacking water and food and shelter. But just like Jesus wasn't afraid to come, even after the prayer he prayed, that he wasn't afraid to come and get his hands dirty because he knew what he was going to have to face. Neither can we as believers be afraid to step out and say, it's for God that we do this. And it's because of him that we know that we are to be the lights of the world. And regardless if your neighbors believe what you do or they don't, 
you must still be the example. You must still be the one that is the reflection of God. Why? Because you may be the only Jesus that some people may ever see. So what does your Jesus look like? What does your Jesus talk about? What does he talk like? How does he treat people, Cat? How does he love people? Does he love people? Your Jesus. The Jesus I'm talking about does, and we have to love. And love is simply listening, opening up, valuing God's word and everything, and then encouraging others to do the same. L-O-V-E, listen, open up. Value God's word and encourage others to do the same. That is love. And as we follow Jesus from this day to the next, we must believe that he makes all things new. If you're in this room or you're watching online, know this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are become new. The transforming truth or the big idea, if you will, that I want to leave with you today is that living in truth allows you to go deeper in Jesus That truth being this, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no man comes to his father but through him. So I urge you today to find ways to make Jesus known to those who don't know him. I urge you to use your voices and your love and your your, your goodness to gain a voice with those that are non-believers. Tell them that one day he's coming back for all of us who believe. That's what all of this is for. That's what, that's what you're watching for, because at the end of this life, we're living to live again. Amen? And finally, I urge you to always give your strongest testimony. Why? Students will appreciate this. We haven't quite gotten to this in Revelation, but you'll get to it. This is why you always give your strongest testimony, because the Bible teaches us, you'll learn it in Revelation, it teaches us that we overcome the enemy, that's Satan. My granddaddy used to call him a horny-haired demon. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. So we have to say something. We have to say something strong. We have to say something that's affirming to Jesus Christ and the way we live as believers. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And as we prepare for communion, I want to call up our student ministry director, Mr. Tony Spranger, many of you haven't had a chance to meet him yet, but he is primarily over our senior high. And he's been here now with us for a little while, um, but I'm so happy that he's here to share in the Eucharist with me. So he is going to administer the bread, the body, then I'll come. As you get your elements out, May we pause and slow down just a bit and remember what Christ did for us. And on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he gave thanks to God for it, and then broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup. He 
said, this is my blood, which will be shed for you. This is the blood of the new covenant. I won't drink this again with you until we're in the heavenlies. But he said, take this and drink ye all of it. Tony says, slow down a little bit. Reverence the moment. Understand what's happening. He said, as often as you do this, you do show remembrance until I return. So whether it's first Sunday or every Sunday or whatever, as often as you do it, you do show his remembrance until he comes. Remember that reconciliation and, and, and understanding and forgiveness and restoration, healing is all available at the table of Christ. So as you reverence him, understand that he's always moving and he's always working. And if it's not yet good in your life, it's because he's not done working yet. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we honor you today and we thank you for all that you've done, all that you've given and all that you have put into our hands. Help us to remember that we may be the only Jesus that some may ever see. So help us to be our, our best reflection of you. Help us to be the best representatives of you that we can be. And help us to know that we can be, through you, servants to all in this earth. We love you, Father, and we honor you, and we bless you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.